Welcome to Brookings First United Methodist Church and our podcast, Messages from First United Methodist Brookings. This podcast is an audio version of Pastor Pete Grassow and Pastor Krista Ducker's sermons from the First United Methodist Church in Brookings, South Dakota. You can watch the full service online at any time on our website at brookingsmethodist.org or at the link in the episode notes. On behalf of the pastors and our entire church family, thank you for joining us. We're going to talk tonight a little bit about the surprise of prayer. We are continuing in our study based on Henry Nouwen's book, Spiritual Formation, Following the Movement of the Spirit. If you would like to have a complimentary copy of that book, it is available. There are several copies here and more in our office and in the narthex. So you're invited to join in and read along as we continue through this. We're in chapter 2. We're going to remain there tonight and on Sunday. So in that chapter, we're invited into an extended meditation on the nature, practice, and benefits of prayer. In some ways, a practice that may at times seem utterly useless. And yet we're going to find how important it is for us and for our ministry and our work. Paradoxically, we might say that prayer is a discipline of letting go. As Nowen defines it, prayer is the intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to create space for God. A space in which the illusions we create for ourselves melt away and the light of God's loving attention transforms us and our way of being in the world. So today this is our focus, moving from illusion to prayer. So our scriptural text as a way into this conversation, comes to us from Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 39. We looked at one prayer, scene of prayer in the Gospels. We're going to look at another one today. So let's look at that together. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord for us, and we're thankful for it. So as together we discover this passage through the thoughtful lens of Nouwen's reflection, our conversation is going to center around two fundamental questions. What is prayer, and what happens when we take time to pray. What is prayer and what happens when we take time to pray? So let's tackle that first one. What is prayer? Well, it's a discipline. But it doesn't really operate in the same way that other disciplines do. I don't know about you, but when I think of the word discipline, I think about clenched teeth and white knuckles 
powering through. But as a discipline of creating space for God, prayer is more a practice of letting go. We see this in the way that Nowen breaks it up for us. What is prayer? He says it's a few different things. First, he says, prayer is wasting time with God. Wasting time with God. We can find it in verse 35. In the morning, it says, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. But let's just go back a little bit in the story to what just happened before this early morning prayer session. Just the evening before, Jesus had spent the entire evening healing people. They flocked to him because his reputation preceded him. So imagine he spent hours and hours healing people. He goes to bed, he gets a night of rest, and he gets up. For many of us, so surrounded by the many needs of those who have come, our first temptation would be what? Get up and get after it. Get back to the healing work. That's what he's here for, right? He doesn't do that. Jesus chose instead to get up, to go off alone and waste time. (laughs) There was nothing productive in an earthly sense about what he was doing. And surely, as we will tell from a little bit later on in the story, there were many needs clamoring for his attention. But he made the counterintuitive choice to walk away and waste some time with God. Now and says in this chapter, prayer is being unbusy with God instead of being busy with other things. I mean, part of adulting is responsibility, right? We, we have to do things as grown-ups. And it seems like the more adulty you are, the more responsibilities you have. So it's a constant struggle. And they can pile up just like a crowd of people following Jesus, crying, help! I need you. Take care of this problem. Solve this issue. You have responsibilities. Have you ever felt that way? And it's true. We do have to adult. We have things we need to do. And kids and young people, you have things you need to do too, right? You can get just as busy as we grown-ups can, can't you? But in the midst of all of these things clamoring for our attention, we are invited into a quiet space of unproductivity. And when we make time to waste time with God, we are reminded that it is God who empowers and equips us, who strengthens us to go back into our worlds and do the things we are given to do. When we take time to waste time with God, we can let go of our attachment to outcomes, results, and control and give God praise for all the good things that happen in and around us. So prayer is wasting time with God. Second, prayer is being alone with God. It says in that verse, he got up and went out to a deserted place to pray. So here, I want to do this, an imaginative exercise with you guys. You guys at home do this too, okay? You're not left out of it. I want to invite you to close your eyes, 
Don't worry, we're, on, we're not, no peeking, okay? That's the rule. Close your eyes. And imagine your The gentle ripples lapping into the shore, birds and frogs chatting to one another. Maybe you're curled up on the sofa in a blanket, quietly staring out the window, peacefully enjoying a silent moment. So sink into that moment, whatever it is for you. And now I want to ask you a question. Who is with you? Who's with you in that moment? See their face in your mind. I want to submit to you that each of us probably has a person, living or past, that we enjoy sharing moments like that with. You can open your eyes. These are people we just enjoy being with. Don't have to do anything. People who can appreciate a good view, a hot cup of coffee, the lap of gentle water, and shared solitude. I want to submit to you that this can be prayer and that God can be that person. God can be that person. And it's true that oftentimes we do practice corporate prayer and that is a necessary and a nourishing spiritual practice, but in this context, Noun is reminding us that God enjoys our company. Remember what Adam and Eve used to do in the garden? They just hang out with God in the cool of the day. God enjoys our company. So let us offer the gift of ourselves to God. Think about this. As we go back to that story in Mark chapter 1, Jesus could have done his praying from the campsite. He could have just sat there with the disciples and prayed silently. But he didn't just sit where he was. He went to a solitary place. He separated himself in space so that he could offer space to God. Imagine just being with someone, even being alone with someone. That is kind of a contradiction in itself, isn't it? How can you be alone with a person? <laughs> but it's possible with God. Part of the unbusy discipline of prayer is making the effort to get your body away from the busy distractions of your world and be alone with God. Well, the third thing that Nouwen tells us is that prayer is about descending from mind to heart. Jesus went out to a solitary place. He wasted time and he prayed, poured out his heart to God. I don't know about you, but I am definitely prone to being stuck here. Anybody else? I mean, you don't have to show hands, but I get stuck in my mind pretty easily. The lying awake at night, thinking through the worst possible scenario in a given situation, and then trying to worry my way out of it. Have we ever done that? <laughs> It's understandable to do this because adulting involves problems that need to be solved, issues that need deep reflection and careful thought. But sometimes we can get stuck in the thinking and forget that our hearts are part of the picture. 
The hamsters keep spinning on their wheels in our brains, and we get in a vicious cycle of worry. Nowen tells us that through prayer, God can knock us out of this damaging cycle of overthinking and overworrying and bring us back to our hearts. And he actually suggests some really helpful ways to do that. Perhaps we repeat the Lord's Prayer, or the 23rd Psalm, or the Prayer of St. Francis, one that I particularly like because it's really short and really simple, is the prayer uttered by the blind man on the side of the road in Luke chapter 18. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Such simple prayers of need and trust reorient us to God. They remind us that the world does not hang on our shoulders or our every move. We can rest in God. And we can return to our hearts. And in this prayer of trust, we find ourselves in a posture that allows for the final point. Prayer is practicing the present moment. Let's look at it. Simon and his companions hunted for him after he had gone away. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came here to do. As we can see from this part of the passage, the needs did not go away when Jesus decided to go off and waste some time with God. There is an almost palpable sense of urgency in the words, Simon and his companions hunted for him. (laughs) Where's Jesus? Doesn't he know we have needs? Let's go find him and bring him out here to do what he's supposed to do. The needs didn't go away. And so like an impatient toddler banging on the bathroom door shouting for mom, they just can't leave him. You're laughing. Many of us have been there, right? They just can't leave him alone. So they find him and they state the obvious. Everyone is searching for you. Just a little bit of an exaggeration. Everyone or just you guys, right? Everyone is searching for you. Get over here and do what you're supposed to do. But notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, oh, you're right. Since everyone is waiting, let me just go and do all the things. He doesn't say that. He doesn't just rush off to deal with whatever immediate urgent need is present. And I have to think that his time of prayer, this space he has made to keep company with God, has changed his perspective. He is clear-eyed and committed to his mission. Listen again to what he says. Let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also. Why? For that is what I came out to do. That's my mission. Hear the wisdom in these words. Does Jesus say that the crowds aren't important? No. Does he express anger that there are needs around him? No. But Jesus is clear on what he has been put here to do. He is clear on his mission. And it's time to move forward. In the center of breathless activities, Nowen says, we hear a restful breathing. 
Surrounded by hours of moving, we find a moment of quiet stillness, as Jesus did. In the midst of action, there is contemplation, and after much togetherness, there is solitude. In the lonely places, Jesus finds the courage to follow God's will and not his own. It is in the lonely place where Jesus enters into intimacy with the Father that his ministry is born. All because he wasted some time with God. So when we take time to waste time with God, to create space, to be alone with God, as paradoxical as all these things are, we find that our spirits are nourished, our minds are cleared, and a way becomes open. Even if all of our demanding questions are not answered in the moment. So that second question comes to us. What happens when we take time to pray? Well, when we take time to pray, we live a more God-centered life. We set aside that time to pray, perhaps in the morning or in the evening or during nap time or just before the kids get home from school or on our lunch break. We leave room for God to speak into our circumstances and our relationships. We don't just rely on our own fragmented, limited, often anxious perspective. We allow God's mind to reach into ours. And we begin to develop the mind of Christ. And as we do, our vision is infused with the light of God. We see things and people differently. Remember on Sunday we talked about kairos time, those God opportunities in time around us. This is kind of like kairos vision. Our eyes are opened and our world is enlightened that is filled with light, the light of God, so that we can see each other, our world, and our circumstances in the point of view of the Holy Spirit at work in all things for our good. So we can see with Kairos vision, and then we can experience greater connection to God and to others. We become open to deeper connections. We don't see people or time or creation as commodities. So we long to know them, recognizing every one of us is God's beloved. So this opens up avenues for deeper relationships in unexpected places with unexpected people at unexpected times. And when we take time to pray, we find we become free from the tyranny of distractions. Maybe we could say that prayer is the unbusy discipline of doing nothing with God so that God can do great things with us. As we get away from the de demands that shout at us and we open ourselves to God's loving presence, we begin to build up our muscles of peaceful, calm interaction in the world. And I would like that, wouldn't you? I want to get a greater clarity of purpose. I'd like to live more and more into my identity as God's beloved in this world. So I want to invite us as we continue in this series, to allow God's gracious presence to remove the illusions of our lives as we are called deeper into prayerful communion with God. And we're going to enter into a time of prayer, and as we do, I just want to allow 
Nouwen's words, to sort of wiggle their way deep into the tight places of our hearts and our minds. The movement from illusion to prayer requires a persistent discipline and daily practice. When our minds reach out to eternity, when our hearts reach out to the love of God and our bodies set the boundaries that prevent us from falling constantly back on the narrowing compulsions, obsessions, and addictions of our world, we will stop being like chickens, picking out the dirty leftovers of their past needs and be instead like eagles soaring high on the wings of God, grateful for our freedom and able to enjoy the unspeakable beauty of our spiritual existence. Thank you for listening to today's message from First United Methodist Brookings. To get every message delivered to you, subscribe to this podcast for free and leave us a review wherever you get yours. And be sure to watch for new podcasts from us launching in the coming months. You can always find more information about our services and outreach on our website at brookingsmethodist.org and on our Facebook page, Brookings First United Methodist Church. On behalf of the pastors of Brookings First United Methodist Church, thank you for listening and see you next time. This podcast was produced by Sam Becker on behalf of First United Methodist Church in Brookings, South Dakota. Intro and outro music was performed by our praise team under CCLI license number 9367199, streaming plus license number 21039161. Visit brookingsmethodist.org for more information.